and it's it's so important in a as a in a profession like photography where you're a bit of a lone wolf to have other people to talk to to learn from you know their years of experience and and, and feel like you're part of a community hello friend and welcome back to another episode of do i need school to be the podcast in which me, Alex, is going to sit down with creatives and ask them about their journey into the creative field, focusing on their education, the teachers who shaped them, the books who shaped them, the movies, in general, what their journey was like. If you're somebody who is thinking about entering the creative field, I hope this show will be a resource to you and show you that we all have different paths and they are all valid. So let's go. Hey friend, welcome to another week of the show. I am very excited for this episode because I'm talking to Sarah Tule. Sarah is a portrait photographer from the UK living in Rotterdam. She takes photos of small business owners and freelancers so they can be more visible and tell their story and share their work with more people. Sarah believes that everyone deserves to be photographed and that too many people accept the myth that they are own photogenic. She wants her photos to build people's confidence and to represent more diverse faces and bodies in our online lives. As well as running her photography business, Sarah has worked for many years in sustainability, advising companies in the food and fashion space, and is a strong advocate for environmental justice. I know, like, what a character. Like, she's so cool. And I am so happy that she's on a podcast. I am very excited for you to listen to this episode. So here's my interview with Sarah Tule. And here we are recording. Like, hi, Sarah. How are you today? Hello, Alex. I'm really well, thank you. How are you? I am very good. I am very red because I just did my first tryout for CrossFit and it was really fun. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it was really cool. So we're both in Rotterdam. We how are, are you yes. liking? How are you liking this cold snap? The temperature went down really quickly, really fast. I am reassured because I am always worrying about climate change and it felt unnaturally warm at the start of November. So I feel like this is this is the correct weather to be having in November. <laughs> yes, we don't want to wear flip-flops in November. That's no. that's not that's not what we want. No. But we are here now in a podcast talking through a screen because <laughs> restrictions are happening and also lives. Um but um enough about that. Please tell my audience, well, our audience now, who you are and what you're currently working on. Okay, thanks, Alex. Um, I'm Sarah Toule. As you might be able to tell from my accent, I am British. I'm from the north of England originally and came over to Rotterdam one year ago, more or less exactly, uh, from London. And it was to do with Brexit, to do with my partner's job. I've come over with my partner and my four-year-old boy. And I am a brand photographer. Uh, I work mainly with uh, creative, purpose-driven small business owners and freelancers that want to portray what they do. Uh, and before that, and still on the side, I work in the sustainability sector. I do consultancy in that as well. And I am a proud intersectional feminist, environmentalist. I think about those issues all the time and how I can bring them into everything I do. So uh, yeah, that's a little intro about me. That is such a jump. Like we originally met. How did we meet? We we met. We went actually through Facebook, Instagram. I think. I think I followed you. I, I'm constantly trying to find other Rotterdam small business owners. So I probably followed you, Alex. <laughs> well, yeah, we we met there and we chatted for a bit, and then I told you about the Creative Mornings. You did project. 
And that's what yes. we met for the first time in shout out to Creative Mornings for bringing yes. people together. Mm -hmm. And then you were we, we were talking and you were telling me about your journey, how you went from sustainability to photography. Like that's how right. how did you get there? Like what triggered that choice? Were you always interested in photography? Tell us more about your story. Wow. Okay. How long have you got? Uh, <laughs> the brief version is it all makes everything makes sense in hindsight with careers, I think. And um, from a very early age, I was very conscious of uh, environmental issues, blame my parents, recycling the glass bottles, pestering my mom in the supermarket to buy recycled toilet paper. So it was ingrained in me. Uh, it was the time of the body shop and acid rain and the rainforest being chopped down. So so that happened. But also ever since I was tiny, I just loved having a camera in my hands. I spent quite a lot of time one afternoon when I was about seven or eight with my dad's film camera, taking pictures of the tiny little Playmobil toys and creating little scenes. Uh, and so they've both been really strong interests of mine, but I think um, I always told myself the story that I couldn't make a career as a photographer, that it was too competitive, that there were so many other photographers and uh, it wouldn't, you know, be an option for me. I'm still figuring out whether that is true or not, because it is very competitive and it is not the easiest way to make a living, but it's a passion of mine. I'm fascinated by taking pictures of people. And I, there came to a certain point in my life where I was like, right, that's it. If I don't, if I don't give this a go, I'm going to regret it forever. So That's not really the how, but that's kind of the underlying uh, <laughs> desires <laughs> as to why I've ended up working in sustainability and now launching a photography business. That just brings so many questions to me because you live the reality of going from, like we both did. I, I remember when I was little, like my mom would take pictures of us and then we would go to the store to get them developed. And yeah. then we got the like pictures in our hands and my mom has photo albums, a photo album, but you, <laughs> you live through that. And now you, I think for photographers, especially challenging because we can take pictures with our phones. That's like, right. How, right. how have you developed your process to separate yourself? Because I know you go into a relationship with the people you work with and you target very specific people for mm. your photography. Yes. So, I mean, it's been very interesting with photography. I think I was about 14 or 15 when I first tried using a digital camera and it absolutely blew my mind. And then in my 20s, we were, you know, social media was invented and, you know, who could have foreseen, you know, what a role visual <laughs> content was going to play in everyone's lives. And it's moving, you know, swiftly from photography, well, still photography to videography now uh, something I also need to teach myself how to do at some point um, and and the area of brand photography that I'm working in is a growing profession because we're seeing so many more people they have the tools to start their own business to build their own brand and they need the images of themselves to accompany that and so um, you know one of the things I didn't quite appreciate about photography is how much of it, if you're taking portraits, is about how you can work with people and how many people, which is most people, really are not comfortable at all in front of the camera. And so all these skills that are seemingly unrelated to photography that I've picked up along the way, like taking a brief as a consultant, coaching people, um, trying to, you know, uh, encourage people 
from being a manager, you know, all of that comes in when you've got someone who's like quite terrified of getting in front of the camera, finding out oh, exactly. <laughs> Alex is pointing at herself. Yeah. <laughs> finding <laughs> out all about I guess it's not a visual medium, but I'm like, yes, me. I yes. see that. Yes. I had to scroll a long way down your Instagram to find a picture of you to <laughs> post on my stories, which is a shame. It's a, it was a personal challenge. I will tell you about it in a second, but please keep telling me. What other yes. skills do you have to learn? Yeah, so um, that's been really encouraging, actually, is, you know, this, the skill of taking a great picture is obviously the foundation, but most of it is other stuff. So your people skills, how well you can connect and make someone feel comfortable and safe for a determined amount of time, but also marketing. I mean, so much of it is how you can market your business because it's a very crowded space and especially as a newcomer to a city where I don't know many people that's that is 90% of my work is is getting myself <laughs> in front of people and trying to convince them to work with me so um but it's I mean I'm someone probably why I'm on this podcast who loves to learn new things I think we all do really but I really do I mean give me a course I'll sign up for it like I, I've got I've got a bit of a course addiction problem going on I've done all sorts but honestly it's been and we'll come on to this like the change because of technology and social media the ability to come together and teach each other things is just wonderful like it's and yeah I think um I've learned so much in recent years for very little money from just ordinary people that have great skills to share and I think that's just transforming how we learn I'm I'm so happy that you say that because that's the entire ethos thesis of this podcast about how we can learn, like how creatives can learn now and how many options there are out there. And the fact that you don't need to have, a, first of all, that a degree, it's not going to fit everybody. Like no. the, a structure of education, it's not going to be right for everyone because we're all very diverse. We have very diverse backgrounds. We have our brains work in different ways and we're all very different and like we're very neurodiverse so the environment is going to be different and I love that you're saying that and my next question would be I guess like then your photography skills you learn them by trial and error do you learn did you take a course or was it like what was the process to like you decided I want to be a photographer was it all like previous knowledge that you had or how did you manage all that part of training yourself yeah well a big part was the mindset shift to go I could try and be a photographer and I attribute that in large part to a career change course that I did in 2016 with some an outfit in London called Escape the City which was set up by two former bankers who were like right for people who want to create a meaningful career here's a program a process you can go through which was amazing there's about 30 of us from various jobs all in our kind of 30s wanting to make a change and the real central principle behind it was we're taught that you need to find your passion and follow your passion and everyone should be able to find theirs and theirs was like no we all we all have interests some of us have passions but it's not about finding your one true passion and going for it it's about nurturing your interests and your curiosities and following them and seeing where it leads in a kind of uh low risk way so you know, they're like, if you want to be, try out being a photographer, go out and take some pictures of people, like put a gallery up in your living room, like do, 
go and talk to other photographers and find out what it's actually like to work as one before you quit your job, buy thousands of euros worth of gear. And so um, based off of that, I had a chat with a friend, Alice Whitby, who is a brilliant photographer. Um, so go and look her up. She did a photography degree with and went to uni with my sister. And I asked her all about it. And I said, you know, what would you say to me? I hadn't had any training in photography, but I have a good eye, right? So, you know, I, composition comes fairly naturally, but I didn't know how to operate like a digital SLR camera. So basically the complicated cameras. Um, and she was like, well, you have to just understand how it all works. Exposure. I'm going to forget everything now. Exposure, ISO. What's the other one? Shutter speed, all those things, how they all work together. And so I did a one day long beginners digital photography course and took it from there really and then I just went out finding people asking can I take your photos to build my portfolio and see whether I liked it and I really loved it and then lots of different little shoots come off that right I need to learn how to edit the photos I need to learn how to build a website and then I need to know how to start to find work and so uh, I've used loads of different stuff, but initially I used a platform called Creative Live, um, which is a subscription-based thing, and there's loads of pre-recorded content by like amazing photographers and all sorts of people. So I learned quite a lot through that. And in more recent times, I mean, most of it has been practice from the technical side and the odd extra course here and there. And the rest has really been the business of photography and I've, you know, I'm part of a membership now called Togs in Business, which is absolutely brilliant. It's a whole content hub of everything from figuring out who your ideal client is through to building a website, through to running campaigns and anything you can possibly imagine, uh, along with a Facebook community where you can ask any possible thing you can think of, like, should I put my prices on my website? Who does this? This is a question I asked today, I think. Um, and yeah, I'm doing another brand photography course with a, a brand photographer called the woman in the wolf. And she's basically just saying, lifting the curtain and saying, this is, uh, with, uh, a couple of people from the UK. And that's all about, um, kind of interrogating notions around work. So she, the, Andrea Codriarado, who's the, one of the presenters recently, wrote an article called do I have productivity dysmorphia and it was all about how she published a book and was kind of um a bit uh it troubled her that she didn't feel the elation and the kind of you know excitement that she, she thought she would feel she was like oh well it's not a real book it's a business book it hasn't come out in hardback and and it's different from imposter syndrome because she's not she doesn't have that but it so they kind of go and they say is must we have a purpose in our work? Like, cause like having a purpose is like the, the mantra, isn't it around work these days? So, yes. um, so yeah, but there's millions of podcasts and I, I want to know what yours are. What are your recommendations? Well, now that you say that, <laughs> um, 
Hey friend, it's Alex just interrupting this conversation to remind you that in order to have the optimal experience and enjoy all the links in the show notes, you can subscribe to the show on any platform you're using to listen to this podcast. And yeah, it supports the show. It will improve the algorithm for you. So it would show you more shows like this one that you will potentially like. And if you wish to support the show, you can follow us on social media. All the links are in the show notes as well as a link to buy me a coffee, which yeah, we'll help pay for the hosting and I also love coffee. But enough of my babble, let's get back to the show. I like so many of them. I have a problem with how many podcasts I like. Like I am opening my my app now. <laughs> um so for for entertainment, let's let's start with entertainment. Yes. I like to listen to uh, Why Won't You Date Me with Nicole Byer. Oh, I don't know that one. It's really funny. She's like uh, have you seen on Netflix the show um Nailed It? No. It's about people who are not bakers and they're invited to a show to bake and everything is a mess and it's amazing <laughs> and it's it's glorious and she's the host. She's also an, an actress and a comedian and she just asks people why she's still single. So it's really funny. They touch on, the, on a lot of topics, a lot of like living as a creative, as an artist. It's, it's really a hilarious podcast. I laugh a lot. Um, then I, I love this one called uh, The Honest Designer Show which is um, Tom Ross, Lisa Glantz, Ian Barnard, and Dustin Lee. And they they just talk about being creators, being creatives, and being in the industry and what is, that is like from the perspective of um, Tom, who has a platform for creatives, Lisa as an illustrator, and Ian and Dustin sell digital products. So they just talk about the process. And then... Then I have like I have four I have four million podcasts. I mean I have like far too many, uh, but one that I would recommend for creatives is one called The Biz Buds. It's with uh, Tom Ross and Mike Janda, and they talk a lot about, um, for example, they demystify following. They're like, yeah, you can have a hundred thousand followers, but if you just get a hundred likes, you're getting zero point zero 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 one percent of your engagement. That's true. But if you have a hundred followers. And you get 10 likes means that 10% of your following. So you should always focus on that proportion on the percentages instead of the number of followers. And yeah. they have a lot of like very useful tips like that. So that's a podcast that I would recommend to everybody. I would recommend that to you. It's really good. Okay. What was it called again? The Biz Buds. The Biz Buds. Yeah. I will send you the link. Um, yeah. And I will probably like also like put it in the show notes because um, Mike Janda, uh, both, they're both great guys, but I'm more in contact with Mike because his goal is to be the mentor to a hundred thousand people. Oh wow! So if you like message him a question on uh, you you DM him on Instagram, he will most likely reply to you within forty eight hours. And recommend cool. yeah, because he really wants to be the nice guy. He wants to like help people one on one. So it's really cool, and it's getting that. And but to go back to the podcast, um, you mentioned how important the Facebook group is uh, because it's peer to peer learning. It's learning from your peers would you consider them teachers as well and on that topic what teachers have impacted you you're like you already mentioned two the photographers yes and then the two bankers and who well who I, wouldn't, would I wouldn't i didn't meet the bankers oh, i just okay. did their course so i wouldn't i wouldn't class them as my teachers it was i loved that question actually about the teachers i mean to answer your question about the facebook group um one of the things it often demonstrates when i ask a question is like there can be 10 different answers and none of them is right. And you have to figure out what is right for
for you. And that's why it's really important in those groups to have a very experienced moderator, which is definitely the case in the togs in business. So she kind of comes in and goes, actually, I would recommend this. And her, her authority is like several times higher, but, um, it's, it's great. And I do learn things definitely. And just reading through other people's questions as well. But in terms of my teachers, I think a common thread in terms of people who have taught me things in my working life is that it's the people that take a real interest in you and sh- and recognize your potential and want to help bring that out. That's been, you know, in university and in my f- first two, like, important jobs, they could see that I was had potential but I was maybe lacking confidence or needing a bit of guidance and mentoring and um in one of them was a man called Pete um I worked at in a government housing body in the UK um in my 20s and you know one of the things he did was asked me one day to chair our team meeting and I was absolutely terrified but he'd clearly recognized a, it's something I could learn to do. It's going to be very useful to me, which it has been. Uh, and it's really going to stretch me. And um, and I was so, like, I'm terrified and kind of, like, honoured to be asked. I mean, it's a really minor thing when you think about it. But I think when we work with people that are younger, we often forget, like, how much you need to give people opportunities to try things out and be crap at them to start with. And often it's the people in senior positions that kind of always occupy those roles. And I think that's such a wasted opportunity for learning. Um, So yeah, and then a man called David, when I worked in sustainability, he, you know, really would go to the trouble of explaining like why his thinking behind why he was doing things and then giving me things to do that were outside my comfort zone. But he would kind of guide me and kind of give me you know feedback and support and that's just been really invaluable and I think it's that that's how I want to be with people that I'm that are less senior in inverted commas than I am um kind of spotting opportunities for them and helping them to grow like that's what it's all about with teaching for me and then in more recent years as we've moved online I you know there's been a a few people I've met through uh Instagram well and sort of semi on online offline kind of like me and you we've kind of seen each other like (laughs) it's 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 that thing where you meet somebody like online that they are in the real world they materialize in front of you and you're like oh my god you exist yeah this is impressive yeah Yeah. And it's always like, there's this weird kind of like slightly celebrity factor if you you first saw them online and then you meet them in real life. Um, uh, One of those people, I actually did meet her in real life first, but then we never saw each other, but I followed her online. It's someone called Lauren Curry and she runs an organization called Upfront. And it is all about changing confidence. It's aimed at anyone who identifies as a woman. And it's about trying to teach people that um, to be more confident and rooted in the fact that like it's the context that we're in that makes it difficult to be con- to be confident. So I'm probably going to get this stat wrong, but this, she, she often quotes a, a United Nations f- statistic, which is 
92% of people are biased towards women. And, you know, I don't know if you've heard that story about a man who unknowingly um, was working alongside a woman. They shared an inbox and he didn't realize that one week her signature automatically went under his emails and he started getting treated terribly. Like no one would accept what he was saying. They were questioning every decision. They were like asking to speak to someone more senior. And it was just because he had a woman's name on the on his signature. And um, anyway, I digress. But she has taught me an awful lot about speaking up, um, sharing your ideas, putting them out there. Um, kind of, well, confidence, basically. And that's been really, has really transformed how I think about things because a lot of people think I've got nothing to say no one will want to listen to me I'm not going to get this job like and this is trying to like you know change that which is really really powerful um and then the last person I'm going to mention is is someone called Nova Reed, who I found through Instagram and she is a UK based anti-racist educator and she recently published a book called The Good Ally and she um, she has a course which I've I've done, which is about learning how racism shows up and trying to actively change the way that you kind of um, think about it, how you act, uncovering what your biases are, and 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 all of that sort of stuff. And during the early pandemic, I was went on furlough, which I don't know if, if that word makes any sense here, but it basically. The government paid people to stay off work um, when the kind of the work dropped in our organization, but they they needed it's basically government financial support for me to sit at home and do nothing, which was great. Um, <laughs> and like so I, I off, pardon? Like unemployment? No, no. So I was still employed, but they there wasn't work for me to do, but oh. the government paid my organization to pay me. during that time so they didn't have to make me unemployed okay nice. so it's kind of like yeah that sort of thing so I offered during that time as I like to be busy I did a coaching course online and I also contacted Nova and said I really like what you do can I help you in some way and so I did some research for her I helped her figure out like her business model we did some business model work and um and I followed her ever since but she's just a constant reminder of you know the importance of you know in the way you approach your work the way you move through the world there's things you can do if you are have privilege white privilege in my case uh, class privilege as well to try and level things up more or to kind of act against um things that might I'm not expressing myself very well here but basically you know being more actively anti-racist this is not live don't worry about it I can (laughs) can edit this out if you want it's okay um but no I I love that I I love the level of diverse lessons and these are all soft skills yeah and I think we we take those for granted many times we education focuses so much on the hard skills yeah. That we forget how important soft skills are. Yes. And and sounds like your teachers were more people that were challenging you, were putting you in situations that were a little bit uncomfortable for you, but also guiding you through the process. 
Yeah, and they were mentors as much as teachers um, because, you know, we can learn information, but um, to use an overly quoted Maya Angelou quote, you know, we, we forget what someone said, but we never forget how they made us feel. And those people have made me feel like I could do things that I didn't formally believe that I could or I didn't even, like consider them as options and it's that it's like helping someone raise their level of ambition which is one of the best things a teacher can do I I have a question real quick where do you draw the difference between mentor and teacher because I have found that everybody has a different idea of what a mentor is so where is where is that for you personally I think it's about the intention behind it I see a teacher as being quite like neutral So I'm here to teach you some skills or how to do things. And don't get me wrong, like teachers in schools are hugely invested in their students. But for, and I'm sure the line crosses over, but I think with mentoring, it's like you, hmm, it's a good question. It's more about transferring your experience and also being, I don't know. Oh, that's a really good question. Having more care for them or... I actually I don't I don't know now you talk about I feel like it's more maybe it's more career based it's more um about how to because it's not just how do you do something but it's things like it's the wisdom the received wisdom as well and letting people in on the process behind doing a job like I think as a mentor I have been a mentor things like saying look when I was your age I didn't know what I was doing and I was completely terrified most of the time. Like that's not teaching someone something, but it's letting them in on the fact that that what they're feeling is normal and, you know, kind of helping them feel, I don't know, more supported and more like they're not, you know, a weirdo. (laughs) (laughs) Don't make you feel like they're a weirdo. I love it. I, I honestly don't think there's a right answer to it. I think it's a very personal thing. And I mean, you can quote Simon Sinek and say that a mentor is somebody that they're learning as much from you as you're learning from them. Yes. And then other people will say that a mentor offers a more holistic experience. Other people have told me that a mentor is more somebody who is a master of their trade, that you need Mm -hmm. to be a master of your trade to be a mentor. So I think it's very personal and it depends on what you need as a mentee. I think that's mentor mentee right I think yes yes and I one thing I heard I think it was it was on a Brené Brown podcast was the idea of reverse mentoring I don't know if this has come up um I that has not come up yet okay yes I'm the first um basically having been paired with someone less senior than you in your organization and then basically giving feedback to you about you know how they see it from their perspective and how they feel they're managers can be uh better managers from the perspective of someone who's been managed or who is in a less senior role um and there's all sorts of stuff that goes around that is like how do you make it so the person feels like they can safely feedback honestly without there being repercussions and and you have to have like a process and a structure around that but I thought that was brilliant because you know Let's be honest, there's there's quite some quite strong generational divides that need to be bridged in our society. And that, you know, it's always top down at the moment in, you know, 99% of the time. So I thought that was brilliant. 
that that sounds really great and that reminds me of um i think in uh one of my first episodes with uh Jean, uh with ginger no capitals Kunz, who is the curriculum director for graphic design at the Willem de Koenig academy uh-huh. and she was telling us she was telling me about this teaching technique that they use that as students we think like oh no we have to work in groups Ugh. but the idea of working in groups <laughs> is that you're forced to explain to somebody that maybe doesn't have your skill level mm. about something and then you have to process yourself the information again something that is automatic to you yes. it's completely new for them you have to figure out okay how am i explaining this and it sounds like reverse mentor mentorship in which somebody's telling you okay when you explain me this you went too fast. I didn't fully understand it. Yeah. It would be great if you like went slower. Yeah. Um, exactly. Another guest of mine, Armit, actually, he was telling me about the the rubber duck technique. Oh, I don't know that one. That uh, So uh, apparently um, in <laughs> the coding world and people who do programming, they forget that other people don't know programming. So this one programmer had a rubber duck on his desk and he would have to explain code to the rubber duck. It's like, okay, okay. knows nothing. They know nothing. I have to figure out how to explain it to it. And then through that, he understood his own train of thinking. Yeah, well, I, it was just yesterday, I think, and I don't know where I read it. Someone was like, if you can't explain how you do your process, then you don't know it. Like, you don't know what you're doing. And But the having to explain it to someone is such a good discipline because, yeah, um, it means you have to really think hard about the essentials and... And, and how to make it intelligible for someone else, which is, you know. Yeah, and you understand it yourself fully because then you can explain it in different ways. And yeah. to an adult, to a child, to someone, to a senior, to a junior, then you have to understand it. I've been on Clubhouse for almost a year now. And oh, wow. there are so many groups about Bitcoin, blockchain, NFTs. Wow. And there's always like the expert of the group. And because I am who I am, I like to go and say like, okay, explain it to me as if I was a two-year-old. Explain yeah. it to me, take, explain it to me with Legos. How does it work? And I have to yet find somebody that can explain it in a simple way. Mm, but I think, I think that's key. That, and they that's say, do the never key. invest in something that you don't understand. <laughs> so exactly. Exactly. Crypto is a, is a prime example of that for a lot of people. Yeah. But then uh, to continue, you mentioned that you were a mentor. Like yes. what, what's, what's that experience? Like, how do you, how are you as a teacher? Do you have, do you see yourself as a teacher? How did that mentorship start? Did somebody approach and said like, Hey, do you want to be my mentor? Or did it happen organically? What was it like? So I, offered myself as a mentor um the reason being I was working in it at the time an organization that was predominantly white middle class Oxford University educated lot of people and we tried a different approach to recruitment and someone who just graduated she was from she was like a um, British Asian background from Birmingham from you know very normal sort of background and was um, I kind of saw her come in and I thought this could be quite tough for her in some ways and she'll hope she's supported well and then I thought well I can just be that person so I said you know if you ever want some like mentoring let me know and so we did it and, but what was really interesting was during the time that I started mentoring her I maybe had three sessions 
And then in the middle of that, I trained to become a coach. I did a an introductory coaching course. And it sh- the shift was huge because it went from me kind of going like, how can I sort of like instill my knowledge in her? And it was falling flat sometimes. It was kind of okay, but there wasn't a huge level of commitment. But then I was like, right, starting again, going to use a coaching approach. And then it was very much about, okay, so what's important to you? Tell me what are the things you want to work on? Okay, helped her set a goal around it, helped her explore options. But I wasn't telling her anything. I was just asking her the questions and then playing them back to her. So, and coaching and mentoring is one of those ones where what's the difference? But I think mentoring is often about people saying, well, I, this is how I did it. Da, 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 da. Coaching is coming from the standpoint that the person is has the capacity themselves to work things out. It's a question of giving them a, a space to explore that. In, an, in a structured way. And, it, you know, it was amazing because I really saw a huge difference because she was personally invested. It wasn't going, because, you know, it's like someone's, you say, oh, I've got, I can't sleep. And someone goes, right, well, what you need to do is you need to have this tea and you need to, you know, spray lavender on your pillow and do yoga. And you're like, oh, I've tried all those things. Or like, I'm allergic to lavender. Like they don't, I haven't taken the chance to like explore, you know, what they've already tried. <laughs> don't know where that one came from I love lavender um and that was a difference like you're coming up with your own ideas and then and then after that I could say do you would you like me to share something that I've learned and then inviting her and to do that and I think that's also really important is the invitation rather than kind of forcing your ideas on someone kind of saying okay we've explored you've explored it now I've got some thoughts, do you want them? And then they're in a kind of receiving mode because they've got all their own kind of ideas off, you know, out. And they can then go, oh, and here's some other options, take it or leave it. And I, and that was really, really valuable to have had that training and then to be able to practice it with um, with my colleague. And um, So we have made it to the point in the podcast in which I asked a question about the future of creative education and where do you think it's going? You have had the uh, a good amount of experience with it, with mentorship and online trainings and creating your own syllabus. So where do you think it will go in the future? Well, without saying the obvious about it, online being the future, um, I think one of the qualities people need to have to thrive in the future will be about self-directed learning, which is basically understanding what do I need to learn and having the discipline to go and find ways of getting that learning. And, you know, I think it's not obvious. There's a million options. So it's kind of being able to find something that's good quality, that's, you know, going to give you what you need. Um, It's going to be peer to peer. It already is peer to peer, but I think that's going to be even more important and accepted hopefully as a valid way of learning in the workplace um and i think another thing that's become really important and it always has been but it's become really obvious as i went from working in an organization to working as a freelancer is that your network is everything so your ability to uh 
be recommended, be taught to find out about opportunities, to ask questions to people that are a bit further along or, you know, that can help you and, and helping other people is going to be at the center of it because we know most jobs aren't advertised. More and more people are going freelance. Um, and one of the things I haven't mentioned, which has been really instrumental in helping me succeed as a freelancer has been a WhatsApp group or several WhatsApp groups. One of them is called More Than Money. And it's a group of women, mainly in the UK. It's a WhatsApp group. I'm not sure how many people, but it's all about how come it was set up by two um, people. Um, I won't mention their names because I don't know if they've ever gone public about this group, but um, they sort of called it a, a feminist union. So what people will say is like, oh, I'm dealing with a ad agency and they're trying to ask me to do this for this much money. Is that a good amount of money? And everyone will pitch in and be like, no, you need to be charging triple and telling them this. And, and uh, you know, I asked I, about day, a day rate for a certain job and someone's like, you're going in way too low. This is the way that you should pitch it to them. And it's amazing like to have this wisdom, people that are like really, you know, quite high powered people being like, no, and, and, and so a bit of a diversion there, but I think networks are everything. Um, and we have the tools for great networks now. And I think the future is also uh, about the soft skills. So technical skills can be learned, but things like being able to collaborate with other people, being able to work across cultures and cultural differences, um, being flexible. And then another thing that I think is we need more people able to do is to be able to convene and hold space and facilitate and bring people together to come up with ideas, to agree things. I mean, it's just been COP26 in Glasgow, the climate change conference. And, you know, that is like your, like epitome of like a failure of leadership. It hasn't been a complete failure. It's actually been better than I was expecting, but that's a very low bar. But that ability to kind of, you know, <laughs> to do that and um, not just creative education, but I think like the world of work as a whole, we need to stop expecting people to have degrees to do certain jobs. Like I get it. If you want to be a, a doctor or a dentist, what you know, a psychotherapist, definitely an engineer. We don't want bridges falling down. But if it's, you know, experience is more important I would say lived experience and it cuts out so many people from opportunities because they haven't had the the background to be able to go to university or to to get certain you know types of qualifications and again your years of experience as well shouldn't be the only thing like a lot of people are caught in a trap of not having the experience not being able to get the experience and they get stuck especially when you graduate or you, you come out of school. And I think just um, accepting that there are different types of wisdom and education that are equally valuable. And we need that, that because for all sorts of reasons, but um, that would be one of the things that I think needs to change very quickly <laughs> in a lot of industries. I love that. I think you pointed so many important things. I mean, and especially going beyond this, technological positivism that we fall into thinking like technology will be the solution to everything but in your idea it's more it's more human it's more let's use technology to make us more human and to yes give 
like connect work and, and networking networking is so important yeah and I think also what you mentioned that I loved is not only networking within your industry but also into other industries yes thank you so much for this conversation Sarah it's really insightful and deep and dynamic and we found out that you love lavender if nothing else we find out that you really like lavender <laughs> I know I'm going to go to bed in about an hour and I'm going to spray it all over myself before I go to sleep. <laughs> so now that we are at the end, is there anything you want to promote or is there anything you want to recommend? It can be a book, a movie, an artist, uh, your own work. Is there anything you want to uh, point at? What a question. I mean, obviously, if you need some beautiful photography to represent your brand or your business, then do check out my website in the show notes. Um, but I would say a book that I'd like to recommend to the women listening um, is a book called Playing Big by Tara Moore. And that's all about um, taking more bold risks with your career and 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 unlearning some things like that we are taught in school which is like learning for the test impressing the teacher retaining lots of information at the expense of being confident improvising trusting that you can come up with a good answer without having to prepare for three hours and that was really has really helped me gain some confidence so I would really recommend checking that book out playing big it's a good one and it's not very long nice I love it Well, thank you so much, Sarah. Thank you for joining me on the podcast. I'm so happy that we met online, met in real life, and now we're back online for a second. Yes, and so we much. must meet offline again. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. Before the lockdown regulations lock us up again. Yes, uh, exactly. I hope. Thank you so much for inviting me. I've really enjoyed it. It's, it's so much fun to have people ask you questions and then be interested in your answers. Like, so I've really enjoyed myself. You know, a lot of people say like uh, that, that talking to people is hard. I just keep telling them people love talking about themselves. Like people oh, yeah. really like talking about themselves. I well, really love you. this. Yeah. <laughs> Yay. Happy, happy guest. This is happy me. Perfect. Well, thank you so much. Thank you. And just like that, we have made it to the end of another wonderful episode. I hope you really enjoyed it because I enjoyed recording it since I enjoy Sarah so much. We did hang out again. We hang out because we're friends in real life. And I just showed her this really cool coffee shop in not a coffee shop, a cafe in Rotterdam a few weeks ago. And yeah, we'll definitely meet up again soon. And maybe I'll let her take my picture. Maybe she'll help me find my fears. I don't know. I hope you enjoyed this. Her journey is so amazing. And you'll find links to her, to her website, to all her resources, to the podcast she recommended. There's so many links in the show notes. I'm sorry. There was just so many cool things and I couldn't contain myself. But okay, really, I really hope you enjoyed it. And as we come to the end of the show, I want to say thank you for joining me on another episode and giving me your time. I hope you're enjoying these conversations. Please subscribe to the show, give it a review or give us feedback. It's always welcome. Are there questions you would like to ask creatives or do you have somebody you would like to recommend for the show? You can reach out to me on social media or email, which is all linked in the show notes. Also, special thank you to Anne Catherine and Marcus for supporting the show through Buy Me a Coffee. Love you guys and I appreciate the encouragement. Also, thank you to Rohal Heide for the music for this show and to Immaculate Lemarin 
for her help proofreading the transcripts and helping keep the podcast as accessible as possible. To close, thank you for listening again this week, and I hope to be back in your ears very soon. Until then, keep learning and stay curious. Bye.